Section number 64 of Narratives of Colored Americans. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Narratives of Colored Americans by Abigail Mott and M.S. Wood. The Injured Africans from the New York Observer, 1826. In our paper of the 21st of January, we inserted a communication from a correspondent giving an account of an age-colored woman who immigrated with her husband from New Orleans to this city last summer, bringing with her another colored woman whom she had rescued from slavery at the expense of her little all. The object of these poor people in coming to New York was simply to enjoy the privileges of the gospel without interruption. A benevolent gentleman of our acquaintance, whose feelings were much interested in the account which we published, and who has since repeatedly visited this interesting family, has put into our hands the following particulars of their history for publication. The name of the husband is Reuben, that of his wife, Betsy, and that of their companion, Fanny. Reuben Madison, the husband, was born in Virginia, near Port Royal, about the year 1781. His parents and all his connections in this country were slaves. His father died when he was about seven years old. His mother is now living in Kentucky, enjoying freedom in her old age through the filial regard of Reuben, who purchased her liberty for $70. She is seriously disposed, but not a professor of religion. He has now eight brothers and sisters living in Frankfort, Franklin County, Kentucky, all slaves and all, excepting one, members of a Baptist church in that place. About a year after his conversion, Reuben was married to a slave who had been kidnapped in Maryland and sold to a planter in his neighborhood. She was also, hopefully, pious. While they lived together, she became the mother of two children. But about four years after their marriage, she and one of the children, aged eight months, were sold without his knowledge and transported to a distant Spanish territory and with so much secrecy that he had no opportunity even to bid her a last farewell. This, he said, was the severest trial of my life, a sense of sin only accepted. I mourned and cried and would not be comforted. After several months, however, the hope of meeting her and my children again in the kingdom of God, when we should never be separated, together with a promise from my master that I should, at some future time, go to see her, in some measure allied my grief and permitted me to enjoy the consolations of religion. The other child is now a slave in Kentucky, though the father has often endeavored in vain to purchase his freedom. About six years since, having hired his time of his master for five years previous at $120 a year, Reuben succeeded by trafficking in rags and in other ways 
in collecting a sum sufficient for the purchase of his own freedom, for which he paid $700, and not only so, but he was enabled, with his surplus earnings, to build a brick house and to provide it with convenient accommodations. By the dishonesty of his former master, however, all was taken from him. Thus, stripped of his property, he left Kentucky and went to New Orleans, that he might learn something from his wife and, if possible, find and redeem her. But he only succeeded in gaining the painful intelligence that she was dead. He there formed an acquaintance with his present wife, whose former name was Betsy Bond, and they were soon married. The circumstances of her life were briefly these. Betsy was born a slave near Hobbs Hole, Essex County, Virginia, about 1763, and was married to a slave at about the age of 20 years. By him, she had three children, one of which, together with her husband, died a few years after their marriage. Soon after their death, she was led to reflect on her lost state as a sinner, and after about seven months of deep anxiety was enabled, as she trusts, to resign herself into the hands of her Savior and experience those consolations which he deigns to grant to the broken-hearted penitent. She gained the confidence and attachment of her mistress, who treated her with much kindness, and she was married to a pious servant of the family, where she remains about nine years. At the close of this period, a planter from the vicinity of Natchez, coming to Alexandria in Virginia, where she then lived, for slaves, she was sold and carried with eight others to this plantation leaving her husband behind. Her new master treated her with great severity, and she was compelled to labor almost incessantly every day of the week, Sabbath not accepted. With this man, she lived 19 years. He then died and left his slaves by will to another planter, who also dying soon after, she was again sold and transported to New Orleans where she arrived about the year 1812. At the end of two years, this master also died, and when his slaves were about to be sold, Betsy succeeded with some difficulty in hiring her time, and a little more than a year by washing and other labor, she acquired sufficient property to purchase her freedom, for which she paid $250. Her youngest son and his wife being also slaves in New Orleans, she hoped to obtain, by her industry and economy, money sufficient to purchase them also, but their master refused to part with them. Several years after a large number of slaves were brought to New Orleans from Virginia and were about to be offered for sale, and Fanny was among the number. Having accidentally become acquainted with her previous to the sale and finding her a sister in Christ, Betsy's feelings were deeply interested, and she resolved to purchase her and to treat her not as a slave, but as a child and companion. This determination she communicated to Fanny, 
and with the aid of a gentleman, she succeeded in accomplishing her object. The price was $250. She paid $200, her all, and obtained a short credit for the remainder. Soon after this, her present husband, coming to New Orleans, as before stated, they were married, and the payment for Fanny was then completed. By their united industry, they were soon able to build a comfortable house, in which they set apart a room for religious purposes. Here, they assembled with others every Sabbath for the worship of God. But being constantly exposed to disturbance in their worship, they felt a great desire to go to a free state where they might enjoy religious privileges unmolested, where they could unite with Christian friends in social prayer and conversation without a soldier with a drawn sword stationed at their door. They fixed upon New York as a desired asylum, and having arranged their concerns, rented their house and collected their effects. They engaged and paid their passage, which was $70, and sailed from New Orleans about the 12th of July, 1825, with pleasing anticipations for a land of freedom and religious privileges. They suffered much on the voyage through the cruelty of the captain, being exposed without shelter during the whole of the passage, either on deck or in the longboat. In consequence of this exposure, both of the women were taken sick, and in this condition they arrived at New York and were landed on the wharf in a land of strangers, their money almost expended, and none to commiserate their sufferings. After a few days, however, Reuben succeeded in obtaining a miserable cellar in Chapel Street at $60 annual rent, where he remained for some time, supporting the family in their sickness by his labor as a shoemaker and by the sale of some of his effects. On his arrival at this port, his first act was to grant entire freedom to Fanny, giving her liberty to live with him or to go where she pleased. She chose to remain with him, and she assisted in the support of the family by washing and other labor, and nursed her mistress, who was evidently declining with the consumption, occasioned doubtless by the severity of her treatment on the passage from New Orleans. Not being able to pay their rent in advance, owing to their sickness and other expenses, their landlord compelled them to quit their residence and they have since been obliged to put up with still more miserable accommodations in a cellar on Elm Street. They appear to put their trust and confidence in God and express their entire belief that all their trials were designed for their good. They seem to be one in sentiment and feeling and to manifest a spirituality of mind rarely to be found. Every little attention was most gratefully received, and the best of blessings were implored on him who bestowed it. With some assistance from the benevolent, and with what they may receive from New Orleans for rent, it is believed they may be provided with a comfortable house, and be introduced to those privileges which they so ardently desire. No one of the family can read, though they were all desirous to learn, 
and from a little attention which their friends had given them, it appears that they may be taught without difficulty. It is an affecting thought that the wrongs of this poor woman, which commenced at her birth and were afflicted without interruption during the long years of slavery, still followed her on her passage to the land of freedom and have been finally consummated in this city, the city of her hopes, her fancied asylum from the oppressor. End of section number 64. Read by Kevin Waters, Spring Hill, Florida, July 26, 2021.